0: Hey, it's Madison the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. The real tragedy for me here, like a huge tragedy, is that I still see on TV people talking about how we need to stay just one more day, just one more month, just one more dollar. As if, as if the 20 years, the 2,500 lives, and the 2.3 trillion dollars that then collapsed in two weeks weren't enough. They're the same people that that, you know, their reputations are at line on this, they're making money for it, and they're deciding that they want to keep us there because they feel like it's the right thing to do for them. It's a huge, systematic, institutional set of dishonesties that is really like just torn the American people's psyche as they saw what happened in the two weeks. And so that's really something I think we need to not lose sight of and make sure that we fight that narrative. Well, the other side of that is General uh, uh, Kenneth McKenzie, who announced completion of uh, the Afghanistan withdrawal, and uh, Bill Cohen, former Secretary of Defense and former senator and, and good friend and the best and love to you and your family. Um, I hesitated to call because I figured you'd be swamped with all kinds of requests, but you were the first on my mind. And I wanted to just let you start by what, what would you hope we hear from President Biden later on today about this historic uh, moment when he addresses the nation?
1: Well, first, uh, Joe, let me say you never have to worry about uh, hesitating to call me. Um, As you've indicated, we have been friends for a long time, and uh, I admire what you do and what you say. And excuse me, anytime you need to talk to me, just pick up the phone. Thank you. Uh, As to this matter, I I said something last night on on CNN. I had three emotions at least uh, when I saw the plane finally take off. I had relief that uh, we got off the ground without being attacked by an RPG or uh, some other uh, weapon that could have destroyed the plane in the air or while taking off. I had grief uh, in terms of watching the ceremonies at, um, at Dover. I have been there. I have uh, been there when they brought the caskets back. When you had the bombings of the embassies in East Africa, I was there. When they, well, not there, but I was at the uh, USS Cole um, ceremony where we lost 17 sailors and 37 wounded. So I, I, I've been there to talk to the parents who've lost their sons and daughters, and and husbands their wives, and, and wives their um, their husbands. So it's a, it's a really sad time. But ultimately, the uh, the gratitude I had is looking at our capability, looking what we were able to do in 14 days, uh, 120,000 people evacuated. Never before have we done that in such a period of time. So I had all these emotions, uh, and at the same time, uh, saying this is uh, you know a cautionary tale uh, that we are not good and shouldn't engage in nation building. And I keep thinking about this in terms of Afghanistan in particular. We don't read history. We don't learn from history. Uh, There's a book written some years ago by two professors at, uh, at Harvard called Thinking in Time. In other words, go back and understand what has happened historically, understand the culture of countries that you want to go to either voluntarily or militarily, but uh, be thinking about uh, the, the, the history of time. Um, And we can't change culture uh, in a short period of time. I I maintain this. If you really want to change the culture of Afghanistan, you better plan to be there 50 or 100 years. It takes that long. And it takes more than 20 years to build a cohesive fighting force uh, in a nation that's never had the institutions of being centralized. They're they're basically warlords who have the power locally. So it took us going back uh, at the end of Vietnam our military was at its lowest point uh, in, in, in recent history. It took us 20 years uh, to, be, to build back better, to use uh, a President Biden phase. It took 20 years to build our military back to where they were in 1996, 1997 and through. So the notion that we're going to build a military that could sustain itself on a, a centralized basis with a command structure like we have, I think it was folly from the beginning. But nonetheless, uh, uh, where are we going now? Uh, What is the president going to say? What should he say? He should say that, number one, he has made the tough decision to end a war and not on our terms, uh, that he's responsible for making the decision, that he inherited a deal um, by President Trump uh, that wasn't a good deal in, in the sense that the signals that were sent to the afghan government and military that that we had a fixed date i don't like fixed dates I think um, you, you can say that we're leaving and prepare to leave and, and leave, but never say what date you're going to leave because you hand uh, a, a, a great uh, power to the, to the enemy at that point. that can just wait you out while you're moving. In any event, uh, I, I think he's going to go forward now and say we've learned this lesson that we can't impose ourselves into other countries, uh, that the war on terror is going on. Uh, Terrorism is not ending. This is what people have to understand. We may leave Afghanistan, but Afghanistan is not leaving the world. Uh, That uh, could evolve very quickly into the kind of terror state that that we wanted to prevent. And that's going to present not only us now, but with the world, understanding that they're not immune from terrorism. They're finding it out in various countries. But they're going to find out that we now have a hotbed of terrorism that has, you know, a more sophisticated weaponry. But they can now attract far more of the jihadists than ever before that they defeated, the American Goliath. Uh, And so we have to keep our eye there. But now it's really kind of uh, Russia's turn to take uh, a little responsibility here, China's turn. Uh, Pakistan, India, uh, all of those countries, the Gulf countries in the region. Because to the extent that you have a center for terrorism in Afghanistan that can export it, and mm-hmm. they don't have to fire long-range missiles. They don't have to use uh, the, um, the the aircraft, whatever condition that aircraft is in. Right. They don't have to do it during 9-11. They just have to start planning how they can destabilize and destroy Western democracy. Uh, so the war on terror is not over, but then it becomes a question of how do we go about containing it? It's going to be with us as long as mankind uh, is with us. And wow. go- going back historically, you know, we talk about no forever wars. There's no forever peace. If you go back historically, take the last 4,000 years, roughly 250 years have been without war. So mankind is kind of wired, uh, for war. And that's, you know, that's what we've inherited in our, ge- in our genetic makeup. It's competition, competition, uh, in sports, competition in business, competition in life. And that competition goes into military because mm-hmm. I think we're by nature, we're, we're acquisitive, we're aggressive, uh, we're greedy, uh, as human beings and we want, we want power. So well, let me, you know, let, the, the goal of peace is is a, a dream that we ought to pursue, uh, but the fact of the matter is this war will go on uh, as long as there are people on, on the planet who want someone else's uh, land or wealth.
0: Well, let me ask this then. Uh, 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 Bill Cohen, um, then if, if... What should then be the responsibility... Or the reaction of the United States, the great United States, when they, we we see a terrorist act, and 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 let me stick with Afghanistan. Clearly, uh, you as you say these uh, uh, the ISIS K and and there are other groups. It's not yep. just them. They're they, as you know, um, and and should we then as as Americans or as the United States, should we sit back and say, look, that's your problem and not act? Oh, I mean, what then should be the role of the United States if we're always going to find uh, 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 you know, terrorist attacks?
1: Well, the, I think President Biden is going to say this is what I've been uh, urging for some time now, We must continue to engage in counterterrorism, but not counterinsurgency. We've learned a lesson that you can occupy um, at whatever level another uh, country uh, and uh, fight a long war. Uh, Long wars benefit no uh, country that I'm aware of historically. And so people uh, get tired of the war. They have war fatigue. You're drained of your resources. You're drained of your 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 blood and treasure. And so what we have to do is keep a very clear eye on what is taking place. Now, President Biden said we can do it over the uh, horizon. We've seen some example of that. As we were lifting off, moving out, we were able to locate two terrorist attacks and hit them with Hellfire missiles or uh, other type of...
0: Uh, yeah, of uh, like uh, drones. Uh, yeah, drones. Yeah, because, so yeah, in because other words, that... Yeah, uh, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
1: In other words, can we continue to wage a war against terrorism when we detect that there are groups who are plotting uh, and take them out without putting our troops at risk? Now, that's that's a real question. For example, are we truly out of Afghanistan? Do we have folks that are there, either Americans or American allies or those from the region who are on the ground, collecting intelligence? Uh, I will tell you, Joe, when I was in the Senate, I led the effort to create the Special Operations Command. It was opposed by the Pentagon. They fought it uh, tooth and nail. I finally was able to prevail and establish Special Operations Command, and what I had in mind was to have our soldiers uh forward deployed but forward deployed in a way to gather information to understand mm the language of the country they were going to be deployed to, to be on the ground, to see and witness and gather information and make sure that we could anticipate where the country was going to see if we couldn't preempt it diplomatically or economically, but to understand the country. Now the Special Operations Command is the most called-upon units um, uh, in in our uh, force structure, basically. We've got a smaller force with big missions because people are calling upon our Special forces to conduct these kind of missions. So I think the president has to say we're going to protect the American people. Uh, we're going to do it over there, but uh, in a safer configuration with no boots on the ground, so to speak. Uh, and we're going to have a long-range capability with drones, with aircraft, with those off our um, our ships, and being able to uh, to go after and, and hit these um, training camps if we detect them. I don't... There's never going to be a, a safety net that's 100 uh, percent secure, and we saw that uh, it, uh, when we were moving out, we were not able to prevent that, uh, yeah. that one individual from blowing himself up and uh, and killing 13 of winning, uh, 13 of ours and 200 Afghans. So nothing is going to be perfect, and we're going to have to uh, continue to live with that threat. You're never going to be able to eliminate dissident groups wherever they are located, in any country. So the best we can do is gather intelligence, have friends on the ground who are feeding us intelligence so we know what the threats are as they're evolving or whether they're imminent or whether we can intervene in a way with a government that understands that their, 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 their rule is, uh, is uh, under threat. And I mentioned this last night uh, on CNN. I would not be surprised uh, if the Taliban... At some point, as asking Uncle Sam for help, yeah. in other words, they are in a they now have a country that they are supposed to be able to govern, but they've got isis isis k they've got uh, al Qaeda they are under attack from within, and they may uh, actually ask Uncle Sam saying, "Can you help us out with your intelligence, which we've seen how effective that can be when you just launch those strikes uh, at those specific cars?" Uh, we may need your help. Now, I'm not projecting uh, or, or predicting this, but if that government thinks it's going to survive without being eaten from within on its own, and, and survive on its own, I, I think um, they're, they're mm-hmm. missing something here. So nothing is inevitable until it happens. They may have learned the lesson that they can't be as radical uh, as they have been, because uh, Afghanistan, at least in the urban areas, has changed. Uh, And they may find that people in the so-called Northern Alliance, which fought them in the past, are still there, and they still are resisting Taliban rule. So you may have uh, resources going into the Northern Alliance in various countries causing a civil war. Uh, from within, so now, we've no, got a no, when lot of say, challenges, and yeah. um, we have to sit back now and say, "How do we come home and heal the challenges right here?" Because we've got right-wing extremists who are determined to inflict pain and suffering upon the American people.
0: Now, when you say Northern Alliance, for for mm-hmm. my audience, say what what countries are you talking about, or what in, groups?
1: In Afghanistan, in the northern part of the country, there mm-hmm. a group called the Northern Alliance. They had, um, in fact, we worked with them uh, during the time of the the Russian occupation. It was uh, the fact that we were cooperating and providing assistance to the Northern Alliance that helped drive the Russians out. And they're still there, and they're still at least showing signs of resistance now that not everyone supports the Taliban. Uh, And again, it could be they support a more extreme version of the Taliban. It may be that they are just the tribal warlords who like their culture of being in charge at the local level who uh, have – uh identities which they want to protect their cultural and tribal identities from those uh, in the surrounding uh, areas and they've been at war with each other for a long time so this is not simply i mean the taliban can fire their weapons into the air uh, without regard to those bullets coming down and hitting people but that celebration i think is going to be very short-lived i Mm -hmm. think now you have to find out how do we how do we govern how do we provide services we don't have any money uh, we don't have the technicians. We have a brain train. No, uh, a how do we fix there. all of mm-hmm. this equipment? And right. so they've got a real, the, the, again, their their happiness is going to be short-lived because they uh, will have a very difficult time as they're being, having uh, been invaded, not invaded, they're simply, uh, the other groups have melted now within their own uh, uh, their own government. So they won't know who to pick out, who is a friend, who is a foe. Uh, they're uh, they're going to have troubles going forward. Now, that's bad news for them, but it can be bad news for everyone because to the extent that there's an ISIS-K that then rules the uh, the country, then all the countries in the region, I meant Russia will have a problem. They have uh, a Muslim population. Uh, China has uh, a Muslim population, the Uyghurs. Uh, you have uh, Pakistan, who has been a facilitator of uh, the uh, uh, of the Taliban working from Pakistan, feeding weapons into the Taliban in uh, Afghanistan. So they have to be concerned that it doesn't get more radical because they're on the border. So a lot of countries in the region now are going to take a a look and say, what do we do with a country that, if it's completely radicalized and is the center for the export of terrorism, all of us have a problem.
0: Lee, the the one question, and and again, I appreciate that I need to ask, because you brought it up about uh, uh, the brain drain, uh, and folks are not only coming to the United States, but they're going to other Western uh, countries also. Um, This attitude in the United States with people on the far right, that we shouldn't welcome these Afghans into the United States. The states. But something caught my attention as I was listening to you saying we need to get people to who know the country uh, if we're dealing with counterterrorism. Couldn't these Afghans coming to the United States help us in that process the way they helped our military when they, we were in Af- Af- Afghanistan?
1: Joe, so, uh, we are all, except for uh, African-Americans, we are all here for a reason. Uh, we came to this country as immigrants. My grandfather came to this country without a penny or a kopeck in his pocket. He couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, and uh, two generations later, his, uh, his grandchildren have, I think, made a contribution uh, to society. So um, I have a person who works for me. He's Cambodian. Uh, he lost much, most of his family uh, to the Khmer Rouge. He's been with me now for 25 years. You won't find a better American uh, than than him and his family and what they've done in, in, in this community. So we have to remember that almost all of us uh, are immigrants in this country, except for uh, the Africans who were brought here in chains. Uh, every other group has come here voluntarily. Uh, and for the Uh, far right now to say that they want to go back basically uh, to a white America. They want to go back to an America where the white majority was able to impose uh, their discriminatory practices on black people. And they continue to want that even to this day by denying black people the right to vote, doing everything, visibly doing everything in their power to suppress the vote so that black people can't get to the polls and exercise the fundamental. What separates us from uh, other major countries like Russia, like China, like uh, uh, even uh, uh, Turkey and others, uh, the right to vote, uh, that is fundamental. And uh, they are not even hiding it anymore. They say, look, we can't win elections if everybody gets the right to vote. Therefore, let's see if we can prevent them from voting. It's open. It's not even it's not even they don't try to hide it anymore. So, uh this is what's taking place in this country. It is it is a reaction against the so called demographic and cultural change that's taking place and you have more people of color Black people, brown people, Asians uh, coming into the country who are occupying positions that were once held by um, uh, white Americans. And they're seeing that, and uh, there's fear and there's loathing. They don't want to give up that power, and so they'll do anything in their power to retain it. And that's, uh, again, so obvious uh, that, um, that we have to recognize what they want. When they talk about white nationalism, what does that mean? It means white racism. Uh, and they want to go back to the 40s and the 50s uh, when they still had the ability to oppress, to divide, uh, where you could live, uh, whether you could get a loan, uh, whether you could um, uh, you know, vote at that point. You don't know, think about it. From the beginning of our country, we had in our Constitution the deprivation of the right to vote for uh, Africans, African Americans, and women. It took amendments of the Constitution, 13, 14, 15, even that wasn't enough. So then uh, we had to have a Voting Rights uh, Act passed. Then we had to have a Civil Rights uh, Act passed. And we're still not there. Now we're going back. So it's pretty clear what it is. It's a reaction to the loss of uh, power when you find out that the myths that have been there all of these years, that black people, uh, they really can't can't read, they can't write, they can't compute, they can't uh, can't study medicine, they can't be quarterbacks, they can't be owners, uh, they can't be CEOs. All of those myths are being destroyed daily. And so what people are now witnessing is, gee, if if they have a level playing field, Black people, brown people, uh, Asian people, they can compete and even prevail in any occupation, any profession. Look at television every evening. Who are the doctors on uh, television talking about um, about uh, the virus? They're either black or Indian or Asian or some other ethnicity. Uh, they're filling the airwaves because they have been... Living the American dream, saying if I if I work hard, if I study hard, if I get these degrees, I can be in a position to not only be professionally successful, but to be to make a real contribution uh, to the the country that I love. Uh, that's what we have to remember. And when you suppress that, say, oh no no, we don't want to give those people. Not I don't care whether they're smart or brilliant or can help save us. We don't want to have them in positions of visible power, of responsibility. Mm. So that, that's what we have to confront. That's the historic um, racism, racism mm. that has afflicted us from the very beginning of this country. And uh, we're coping with it today, and we're seeing that every time uh, there's a step forward on the part of people of color, there are two steps back. And mm. uh, you can see that take place now. The assault upon the hill, on Capitol Hill, who was that led by? Who was it fueled by? Uh, and These are the folks who are the, the far-right extremists that the FBI says is the biggest threat that we have, more than ISIS right now. The FBI says that these extremist groups are a bigger threat to us uh, than uh, external foes. So uh, we don't want to come to grips with that. We keep soft-pedaling about it, and we keep saying, let's not, let's not look down at uh, these folks. They almost took this government down. They came within yeah. an hour or so of taking it down, and we never would have been. we never would have survived. And we're on thin ice right now. Uh, we're on thin ice right now in terms of the attitudes where people I try to make this point. Here we have, here we have our young men and women over-risking their lives over in, in a place like Afghanistan, risking their lives to help liberate the people of Afghanistan. And over here, we won't even lift our hands to put a mask on. Uh, we won't uh, take a needle in the arm when they, we know this is a way we will save thousands of people. So we've got a real divide in this country uh, that we have to address. And uh, all I can say is it's going to be a very rough time uh, uh, for the next few years. I think Joe Biden can uh, claim credit saying, well, there's one less war we have to fight uh, in terms of putting our troops at risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to uh, have to continue to fight all of these yeah. battles. You've got four crises right now. You've got the West burning up. You've got droughts in, uh, in our farmland. Uh, you've got a crisis uh, with coronavirus. And you've got a hurricane uh, uh, taking place uh, in um, Louisiana, Mississippi. And on top of that, you've got a racial divide. So <laughs> we've got a lot to do if we want to continue to be the beacon of hope to the rest of the world, because other countries are looking at us. Russia, China, others, they're breaking open the campaign saying look what the united states is doing to itself we don't have to invade the united states it's rotting from within then we are helping by the way we are you know filing all of these bots and, and and all of these ads going on facebook and others we're 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 helping fuel that ignorance about what the science tells us
0: Well, as dr king said and i'll conclude with this two most dangerous things on the planet Sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity, yep. and and we've got to overcome both of those. We have now, to overcome both of those. Uh, Bill Cohen, I thank you uh, so much. I really do, and thank you for giving me the permission to call you any time. <laughs> no, it, Joe, it, it, you it,
1: know that's always there.
0: And uh, uh, you're, you're 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 absolutely right. It is it is fascinating. You know, no, we don't want them in our state. No we don't want these Afghans in our state but at the same time they helped us in as interpreters they worked with us they and your 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 uh your input is is so needed and and so important and as you said and I'll conclude it's hard to overcome culture it is really difficult um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we'll talk again. Okay. Uh, best former Sherry. secretary. Yeah. Uh, Sherry's right here. So uh, she, she's waving and right, my best, well, my best to Janet also. Uh, thank all right. You. All right, Joe. Wow. 26 after um, your comments. Take this quick break. Your comments. That's what, I, you know what, if, if the, if the Biden administration is listening Mm. now, listen, listen, I'm going to say this before I go to the break. And I, I should have said it while Bill Cohen was on line with me. Maybe he'll hear it. If I were the speech writer (laughs) for president Biden, if you're listening Bill Cohen just wrote your speech. Yes, he did. He he. He just wrote your speech. He ticked it all off. He just wrote your yes. speech for later today when you address the American people about ending the longest war. Because now maybe we can use our human resources and our money to address all the things he mentioned instead of fighting these wars, I'm Madison your calls right after this You can listen to yours truly Madison the Black Eagle live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.